1: Folding Pocket.
0: It's time now for the Chipping Forecast, issued by Folding Pocket on behalf of Andrew Cotter, Eddie Pepperell, and special guest Ian Carter.
2: Hello, welcome to the Chipping Forecast. Welcome to the greatest week in golf. Whatever they might say about the Masters or the Ryder Cup or the Dick's Sporting Goods Open, this is the original and the best. It's Open Championship Week, and we are excited. And by we, I mean, of course, uh, our guest Ian Carter, who's in. Yes. Are you?
1: Where are you at the moment? Are you in the media center? I'm in the media center at Royal Liverpool Golf Club Hoylake. And for once, I do agree 100% with you, Andrew, the greatest
2: week of the sporting year for me. Oh, and I also mean, of course, Eddie
0: Pepperell. Where are you, Eddie? You're not in the media centre with Ian. I'm not. I'm a long way from that. I'm in Ibiza Uh, or Ibiza or Ibiza. (laughs) You correct me. <laughs> Ibiza, as um, they say in America.
2: I don't know if they do. Um, good. Right. Well, I'm, I'm at home because I live not too far from Hoy Lake, And I was there all day yesterday, wandering around, soaking it in. Why have I got an alarm going off? What's that for? That's to remind you to do this podcast. Mm, I like to get up at four minutes past nine precisely, and my alarm's just gone off. So I was there yesterday. Uh, it was nice yesterday. It was windy, windy Miller. Um, and I was just soaking it all in, chatting to lots of people from the army. A few golfers, I had a word with Martin Slumbers about tennis commentary, and Matt Fitzpatrick. I was going to walk a couple of holes with him because he was playing with his brother, Alex, but then Matt only played a couple of holes before coming in. I don't know if they fell out or something. I
1: bumped into Matt's caddy, uh, Billy Foster, who was doing his reconnoitering of the course. Mm. He was very much looking forward to seeing the new 17th hole. Yes. Which I think is going to be the big talking point of the week when we discuss this golf course.
2: Yeah, it, it is, but it's... It's what? It's 136 yards. It's going to be into a prevailing wind, so that'll make it more interesting. But I think we're making a bit too much, but it looks, it looks great. Up on the green, it looks fantastic. Um, and uh, as Padraig Harrington said when we were there a couple of months ago and he made like seven birdies out of his 17 attempts, he said it's a very straightforward hole. Have you seen it, Eddie? No, no, I haven't. Mm. It's basically, so the old 15th, as it was, where Garcia lost his chance in 2014 in the bunker there, that went the other direction. So now after the 14th, they play They play 15th as a par five, 16th back in, there was the old 16th and 17th. And then they come to this new hole because it's playing in the other direction towards the water, into the prevailing wind, and there will be prevailing wind this week, uh, we are told. And it's sort of an elevated green Huge bunker in front, huge bunker to the right, other bunker on the left, and over the back is dead. So it's a, it's a, it it looks dramatic, and I suppose as a seventy first hole, it's going to provide some.
1: It's very penal, isn't it? I mean, it's, yeah. it's almost the equivalent of the island green at Sawgrass um, in terms of if you miss the green, you you potentially dead i mean it's obviously not quite as oh, nice it. no in golfing terms and 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 the volatility uh, that it can provide and when you consider you've got two par 5s in the last four holes as well you know i think actually it it could make for a really exciting climax to to the championship that 15th of par 5 was the 16th you remember rory McIlroy eagled that on the saturday last time we were here in 2014 and then eagled uh 18 um as well well actually as you say andrew it now plays as the 15th then you've got uh the 16th which is a tough par four then this new hole little Eye, as it's called the 17th where anything can happen and then an 18th with internal out of bounds over uh 600 yards as well so i think you know it could be a really really exciting kind of climax to to the open do you, do you like that kind of potential
0: for volatility eddie well yeah, absolutely, and especially when it's towards the end of the round. And I know sawbrass was just mentioned and that's obviously a course mm. that at the end has um all kinds of trouble lurking. So uh yeah, you hope for a tight finish and some breezy conditions and, and again, a bit like the Scottish, you you're gonna demand that the player that wins hits the uh hits some great golf shots towards the end and and I suppose it's really no surprise that you'd have a you know, hole in Liverpool that if you, if you go down the wrong sort of avenue you're dead. Mm. Right. We've <laughs> uh what?
2: <laughs> On Wednesday, Ian and I, Ian's chuckling away in the media center there. <laughs> uh, we are going to do a sort of shorter bonus pod as well, because there'll be lots of stories that will come out on the, uh, um, today, tomorrow and Wednesday. And people, lots of players will play in that 17 for the first time. So we'll do it. Ian and I will do a pod. We'll probably do it out, but just outside the media center is the player's short game area, player's clubhouse. So we'll do it. Just outside there, hopefully, and get rejected by some players as we try and talk to them. We do have to, I just an update on uh, exciting battery news. Um I started this pod on 58% battery because I, I left my charger at the course yesterday. I was doing some other work, which we don't need to go into. And I've left my charger there and it's just gone, it's, it's falling in front of my eyes down to 53%. I started on 60%. And I've already lost 7%. So who knows if we'll get to the end of this pod. Um, so we should really crack on rather than me just rambling about, about the battery. The, the other thing about yesterday though at Hoylake, a lot of people coming up and saying hello, some of them mentioning dogs, but also a good number also talking about the chipping forecast. And I always forget to ask names in such situations because I'm embarrassed and angry and a combination of embarrassed and angry. But I was on my way back to the car park. Um, Miles away, thanks for asking. And I was grabbed by a man in uh, in an alleyway, and we shared a photo. Martin, uh, his name was, probably still is Martin. But uh, so he's marshalling on the fourteenth hole this week. Martin says he loves the chipping forecast, and so hello, a shout out to Martin. Um, that's nice. We're getting some good good feedback. He said trying to plump his own cushions. Um, Eddie, you were at the Scottish Open doing, um, and people were offering consoling words and but also just saying hey hey you're that guy from the chipping forecast
0: yeah no they were um you know i I think i made three or four double bogeys and on a number of occasions someone just said don't worry about it eddie chipping forecast is great and um (laughs) and soon it'll be your only source of revenue um so no it's seemingly quite popular which is nice and uh, yeah it's great and uh,
2: I would stress we're not getting any revenue for this. So
1: I have to say I I got a, a WhatsApp this week from um, from the parent of a of a major champion. Um, I'm not going to say and go any further. So good morning, Ian. Been listening to you uh, this morning on on a podcast with Andrew Cotter. Very interesting. Apart from the bit about pronouncing names, how was the premiere in Wi-Fi? Oh.
2: Oh, that's devastated my dull chat about pronouncing names, but thank you to Mrs. Kalkavecchia for that. that Wrong. <laughs> uh, thank you to Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Mahaffey. <laughs> uh. Anyway, right. Okay, we'll do the Open again shortly, we'll, uh, but we've got to look back before we look forward. One more thing. While I was down for the second week of Wimbledon, I had one more session at World of Golf in New Malden. £22 for an hour of balls. £22 of rubber balls. That's absurd. I mean, I just, I need to get that off my chest. There weren't even any youths to impress uh, with my with my driving prowess. Uh, um, it's supply and that. demand though, Andrew, isn't it? It just shows the popularity of golf right now. Well, yeah, because I said, I said um, she said, were you like half an hour or an hour? And I said, an hour, please. And she said, that's £22. And I said, I'm sorry, I think I must have misheard you there. It's almost as if, you said £22. And um, we shared back and forth banter in this way. And she said, do you want the balls or not? And I <laughs> said, £22. She said, yeah, that's uh, peak time. You're in peak time right now. And uh, there were loads of bays empty. I'm getting quite hoarse with the indignation of it all. Did yeah, you hit them well? More. I hit them. Well, all the rubber balls off a fluffy mat. Is there a more expensive range in the country? Let us know. The chipping forecast at foldingpocket.co.uk. Right, Scottish Open. Um, when was the last time you paid for balls, Eddie?
0: Uh, actually, not that long ago. I went to a driving range in a place called Long, long Crendon, which is just around the corner from where I live now, and um, hadn't been there before because we just moved. And uh, I walked in with my Queenwood hat on and the pro, pro behind the. Uh, he didn't recognize me, which um, uh. I don't know, says a number of things, but he said to me, Oh, that's that's Queenwood that's a nice golf course isn't it how did you get that hat and I said well I'm actually a member and there was awkward silence for a few seconds and I said but I'll you know have 50 balls of you so I paid about seven quid for 50 balls and went and hit them and went home so uh, I it was it was quite nice I felt like Cristiano Ronaldo you know disguised in the streets of Madeira (laughs) flicking a ball
1: was it an issue to you that presumably they were like
0: rubber balls and that seems to offend Andrew they were they were okay balls I I I was—I don't know what I was working on. This was a long time ago now. So uh, they seemed to go relatively straight Ian, so I wasn't too too fussed about the, the quality of balls. Did
2: you did you sign a glove for the guy uh, on your way out? And you can have that fella. There you go. Oh, there's another one. What's that? Oh, only put it on snooze. That's why. Oh. Mm, I snoozed it. I've stopped it now. So um, there we go. Yeah, that's you. Give him the opening to recognise you as well. He said Queenwood, and there was a pause, and he thought he was going to say, "Are you?" player and you went guilty as <laughs> charged <laughs> Eddie purple's the name don't wear it out um so um oh goodness me scottish open talk to us about the scottish open before we talk about the Finnish talkers um we might get into pro sender chat actually i've got one email here which d- did come in because i don't Did you see the photo i said someone's been snapping you on the range were you working with the pro sender at the range uh on the um here we go. Hang on a second. I've got an email here. Scott Redford, this is an email about our exciting Pro Sender chat. Really enjoying the podcast. I saw Thomas Bjorn in brackets smaller in real life. Really, really, <laughs> at the Scottish Open practice day with something strange on his wrist. Then listened to the pod on the way home, and it all made sense. And then he shares a picture of you with your. Oh right, God. I've just. That's terrible. I'm... I apologise, Scott. I've just got it that he's we said eddie was thomas Bjorn, uh, right oh, okay Oh, <laughs> so, sorry thomas sorry thomas 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 Bjorn is uh is not small in real life right so eddie was wearing
0: the thing so how did it work the pro sender did it um have, have an effect it did uh i i used it i ended up using a driver for the first time in a couple of years and i would say it was probably the best club in my bag over the first over the, not the only two rounds i played um i putt really dreadfully unfortunately which is one of the reasons why i missed the cut and my irons were not quite on which was which is will be moving forward one of my not concerns but i'll just keep an eye on the relationship between driver to irons historic levels has being a good iron player but a very poor driver i think there's there's going to be a bit of a, a point where you can improve your driving but as long as your iron play doesn't slip away too much then it, it can be a net benefit so but yeah it really helped and it, it really does work i spoke to sean foley about it about some of the theory behind it ben ann who he works with was using it and obviously played well i I know rory's been using it quite a few guys have been using it kind of secretly i suppose in america or certainly not publicly on the range as such but uh lots of positive feedback about it and i would say that it's made a nice difference already and um gave me some nice feels especially off the tee and just for context, for for those who didn't hear last week's um, e- edition, it, it's a it's
1: a kind of bracket that goes on your right wrist. That when you sort of cock the wrist back, it it then fits into into that kind of bracket, and and you want to keep it there for the rest of the rest of the shot. Is that right?
0: Yes, yeah, so it's like a, a carbon fiber mold, effectively, of your right hand right hand. That when you in your right hand back. Um, it sits into quite comfortably and you can you can feel it once it gets there and you can feel it obviously if it's not there and the idea is once you get it there, you keep it there you know, through the golf swing into delivery and through the ball if you want to. I had a bit of a eureka moment with it on the Friday morning during my warm-up where I actually just went and hit some chip shots and pitch shots with it before teeing off and it was quite interesting just keeping it in there, trying to keep it in there for the duration. My right hand wasn't difficult but obviously the feedback you get on the shot and the chip shot made me appreciate actually and realize what I needed to do more with my left arm and my left side as much as my right so it's it's got lots of things to it lots of things going for it and I think the more time you spend with it obviously the idea is you keep your right hand your right hand loaded into it and so you realize what you have to do everywhere else in your swing to hit the correct shots and so it's just a very mechanically correct device and um you know, I know I mentioned last week about Rory using it, and I know I mentioned a few weeks ago, I think, about Rory swinging it better. I think this was the US Open podcast we did, and expecting good things from Rory. And I, and I do think, if you look at his ball striking, you you would probably attribute some of that to the work he's done with this. But um, I know we'll get on to Rory. But uh, yeah, it's it's a good bit of kit.
2: I wonder if um, if John Daly's mother is enjoying this chat as much as she enjoyed. Um, is that not right either? No, yeah, not. <laughs> Okay, I'll keep guessing. Well, oh, you're in. you are you in the radio row there in the media centre? I can hear uh, people yes. chatting away.
1: Yeah, yes. Mer- radio Merseyside have arrived. I can see. Sportsport um, haven't arrived yet. Yeah, no, no surprise there. Um, oh, five wow. live producers here. Um, yeah, we're all set for a massive week. And, and actually, I'll just take this opportunity to say, of course, we'll have our usual commentary on the course with the with the whole team Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday.
2: So I uh, can't wait. Oh, oh, good. Good plug. Well done. Um, highlights on BBC, eight o'clock every evening. Two hours of highlights. Um, so there we go. Excellent. Right. Um, we're, are we getting some sort of money back from Sean Foley for this, this product placement? Because we this should is, really. Well, I'm going to buy one now to go with the ridiculous. Do radar. we have to buy one? Well, well, we shouldn't have to know because we'll go into any shop that stocks it and just say, um, do you notice the hat, the Chipping Forecast hat that I'm wearing? <laughs> yes, I am. Eddie brought it up. We've got to talk about Rory McIlroy, haven't we? I mean, uh, and
1: and Bob McIntyre. And I think probably the best was well, certainly the best Scottish Open I can remember. I mean, what a, what a finish that was. Um, and obviously it stokes uh, expectation levels for, for this week, doesn't it here at the open, but just to eddie the the shots that that Rory played into seventeen and eighteen, you know when and i I obviously write an awful lot about Rory McElroy because it is my duty to do so. he is the most talked about player in the game and the most interesting player in the game in my opinion but and and then I get shot down for always talking about him, and then people start fan questioning boy. his yeah fanboy and and you know people questioning his nerve. And his skill and his technique, but that was a combination of all three, wasn't it? To to come up with those two birdies in those conditions on the final day of a, a tournament he'd not won before. He'd never won in Scotland before. And the week before the Open, imagine if he'd lost, having taken the lead into that that final round, and what
0: everyone would have been saying. I mean, I think I thought that was massive. Yeah, I agree. And before before Sunday, I was looking at the forecast and I was thinking. Who doesn't win if? Sorry, who wins if Rory doesn't? And and you know, I was thinking of guys like Tommy and Tom Kim, and, and even Tyrrell, because uh, Bob wasn't on my radar really. But guys who are very comfortable keeping the ball low, hitting their irons very well. Now I know Rory had been hitting his irons well, but in strong wins I, I think there's always been a perception of Rory that, and to some degree built on reality, that he struggles. He struggles to keep the flight down, and you know he can hit some wayward iron shots, which ultimately at that level could be the difference in between winning and not winning. But those two shots, as you say especially the one into 17. I mean, the one into 18 obviously is between a four iron and a two iron. When I was watching it, he clearly felt originally that he was going to be most comfortable trying to draw a low four iron in towards the front of that green. to then walk off the shot, hit a two iron, and a completely different type of golf shot where he's slightly off speed, having to fade it into a breeze. That is such a difficult golf shot, and it's such a difficult golf shot for someone I think historically like Rory, where he's so comfortable going at full speed and off speed can be very difficult to control and he absolutely nailed it and I said in a tweet yesterday when he's doing that kind of stuff in those wins like yesterday if that had been no wind or calm conditions I think he'd have won by four or five that's where he's at with his game I think the conditions were the equalizer and he still won and he won in great great fashion and that's why I'm so positive and I think Boyd by Rory's performance yesterday because that is that reminds me of what he was doing in 2014 the psychology is clearly there He's a bit like John Rahm when he's at the top. He believes and he knows he's the best player. And his game stood up and responded to his psychology. And I think he's in a great, great place with this game. And I would not be surprised to see him go and win this week or certainly come close to winning in conditions that frankly won't be as difficult as what they were on Sunday there.
1: It just strikes me that he is in such a great place with his swing that he, is, he went out there and played golf. There's no element of... Of playing swing, of worrying about technique, or he was, you know, th- those shots at the end into the par three seventeenth, and then that two iron. That's someone who who said, right, yeah, I know, I know what I need to do, and and I'll just do it. Is th- do you think that's fair, or uh, is it more technical than that? But it, it just, to me, it just looked like it was just the epitome of a player in the absolute perfect place technically
0: well yeah and i think that's the important point is that there's the technical improvements that that allowed it to sit on top of his confidence you know rory for years and years now i think i described rory as the alpha like he when he's in that position he's won more tournaments than anyone else currently playing the game as far as i'm aware tiger um he is the generational talent he's the best player we've seen for at least a decade and and he knows that and when he gets in those positions especially in the last few years he, he fully expects himself to win and invariably does Obviously, he's fallen short on a few occasions and he's caught some stuff for that, particularly at majors. But yesterday, I just felt there was a difference in that his game was 10% better. Those shots into 17 and 18, I felt were shots that I wouldn't have been surprised to, to see Rory not quite pull off, frankly. As good as he is, just because of the nature of the shot and what they required in terms of keeping the ball down off speed to some degree. He nailed them, and when Rory's doing that type of stuff, we know he drives the ball magnificently. we know he's a good putter now, we know his short game's brilliant, and we know his psychology is great so watch out that's just, that's all I could say is watch out because he's seemingly got the part of the game that he's historically struggled with under control, and that is that is ominous for the rest of the golfers. Well, it is, but I and I I love seeing
2: him play because when Rory McIlroy is playing well, it is just it's like nobody else really playing well. Again, we don't want to sound like the McIlroy fanboys. It's just fact. He is just uh, he's just the most exciting player to watch. But um, would he have finished birdie birdie to win a major if that were a major championship? Would he have done the same? you know it's a big big win and he was talking about and the scottish open is a big tournament and he, and now it's even bigger with the quality of the field and how much it means to win um a national open and the scottish open but is is does he have a different mentality when it comes to the majors
1: i think that's a really good point andrew I, you know and and that is the question that he has to answer because for me what he has done what he did at st andrews a year ago What he did uh, at LACC a month ago was play very, very solid final rounds but didn't get the birdies that he needed, didn't get the the proximity with by hitting into – he was finding greens but he wasn't finding pin proximity to give himself the really good looks at at birdies that he needed to then convert. And I think back in the day you were – players were able to do that and win majors nick faldo kind of did it jack nicholas did it i remember um, tom watson did it in 1982 to win the the open championship and everyone else crumbled around that that doesn't seem to happen anymore someone because of the strength in depth because i think of the modern technology um it's easier for players to go out there and go on a tear like Cameron Smith did uh, in the way that Wyndham Clark managed to get over the line uh, in the in the U.S. Open. The way that John Rahm did it at the at the Masters. Brooks Koepka did it at, at the PGA. That's that's the modern way. So I think you do have to go out there and win it on the final day. And and McElroy hasn't shown us that in in the majors for a, for a very long time. But I I also agree with Eddie that. That was a potential watershed at the Scottish Open because I go back to that point again. Imagine if he hadn't won, what everybody would say, saying, what he would be feeling, having come second at the, at the US Open in his last outing and then not converting a lead going into the final round as he hasn't done in other PGA Tour events this year. So I thought that was massive and I think that could be the launchpad for this week.
2: Yeah, I'm down to 43% battery. Um, is, keep going, keep going, yes. um, keep on tracking. Thanks for that, and I've just given an
1: impassioned view, and you come back with that. I
2: know, but that's that's the way I roll. Eddie,
1: am I
0: talking rubbish there? Sorry, just just tell tell me if I'm wrong, because you know better than me. No, no, I, I I don't think you're wrong. I don't I don't know that you're wrong or right necessarily. I mean, Rory could only ask that himself. Honestly, he clearly probably does feel something different in majors to regular tournaments, but that's probably the same for everybody. Uh, I still. I I go back to maybe what I said a little while ago where I think Rory's next major might come when he, like his first major, where he does dominate to some degree and win by three or four. Maybe that's how he wins his next major. Whether he's that much better than the rest of the guys now at the top of the game, I'm not sure. But like I say, to hit the shots he hit to win the golf tournament last week, that's that was a different kind of, uh, that required a different sort of skill set. He showed us all that he has the ability to hit them shots. And as long as that continues... I think he's, he's in a great place to go ahead and win majors. And who knows how long that will continue. It might, that might be it. You know, He might not swing the club as well next week as he did last week. But um, he's, uh, I, I think there are lots of reasons to be optimistic for Rory.
2: Eddie, I've got uh, comfort for you here in some names that missed the cut at Renaissance. Justin Rose, Matt Fitzpatrick, Jordan Spieth, Adam Scott, Patrick Cantley, Adrian Moronk, and uh, Ludwig Ober. Uh, ludwig, all... who? <laughs> ludwig Oberg. um yeah, so uh you spoke did you when did you speak to him you spoke to ludwig, um I spoke to him, I was put on a mission
1: um, to find out how we what we should be calling him uh-huh. um talking about ludwig aberg here this uh very promising Swede. Well, uh, that's who uh,
2: and not... yeah so so well, you're well, going well,
1: with well, well, so I was sent on a mission mm-hmm. to find out how he would like to be known. And I spoke to him after his first round, he had bogeyed the last two holes. So he was entitled to be in a bit of a mood, but he was an absolute gentleman. And I, I found out sorted. So my name in,
2: in Swedish would be Ludwig Oberg, but whenever I'm over in the States, it's a little bit different. When I'm over in America, I usually say Ludwig Eberg. Uh, that would be the way that I pronounce it, but I have this little small circle above my A in Swedish uh, that goes away whenever I go to America, so <laughs> it gets pronounced a little bit different, but it's uh, it's actually not too, too too complicated.
1: So what do you prefer when you when you see yourself being talked about on, on TV? Uh, what, what, what do you prefer to, to hear your name as?
2: Uh, you know, if it's in English, I mean, Eberg, I think is the easiest way to do it. But obviously, when, when we're speaking in Swedish, uh, Elba is, is the way to go.
1: Okay, well, if I could ask you, um, maybe if you could say who you are and that you're listening to the Chipping Forecast, that can be definitive for our, for our podcast. Would you mind doing that?
2: Uh, my name is Ludwig Eberg, and uh, you're listening to the Chipping Forecast podcast. And you have just helped me win a bet. Thank you very much. <laughs> Perfect. Right. Well, there's so much to unpick from that. First of all, there was no bet, um, so Ian's lied to Ludwig. Um, uh, secondly, he's basically saying that uh, in Texas, where he went to college, they call him Lud- Ludwig Ludwig Aberg. Hey yeah. because they are just so enormously rot. Rock- this, this is, uh, and we might have listeners in Texas again. Good people, solid people, but that's just because they can't pronounce foreign names. And he says himself, there, uh, you know, in English, it's maybe easier to say Eberg. but that's that doesn't mean it's the correct thing to say. So it's it's Ludwig Auberg and that's and I'm going. Well, to, you said you said last week it was Albury. Well, it's a the the G in Swedish is like a yes sound, so he says Ludwig Ober, like that. He said Ugg. He said Ugg. Oberg. I've listened okay. to. Anyway, but, so we're we're going we're going down a pronunciation thing that uh, I'm not going to go with what Americans say because it's not Ludwig. It's it's definitely not that, and I'm not going Eberg. So I'm just going to have to come up with something. I'm going to um, come up with another name for him. I think you have to go with the name that, that would, he calls as, himself. As,
1: no, 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 not the name that he necessarily calls himself because it's the name that tells the listener. And the viewer who you're talking about yeah it's like you can see him on the that's screen. why that's why we call that's why what that's why it's receive guten and not
2: receive person eddie where are you where are you where are you on holiday this week eddie
0: uh, i'm in uh ibiza hmm.
2: oh i thought you were in ibiza or something like that did you um did you connect on your flight through paris or paris yeah, but see, but we do have different names for Munich. We, have, uh, uh, we say Munich rather than München. So Paris, just because it's spelled no. the same. it, it uh, No, I'm not. Look, I can see your little face looking comically confused at this. But um, I'm going to die on this hill of pronunciation. And the key thing is that we've lost the major winner's mother now. She's switched off. Yeah, that's true.
0: My internet just went for two minutes. That's how interesting the internet is. <laughs> <about> yeah. <my conversations. laughs> My
2: battery's gone down to 3%. It just gave up on life. Move gave on, up move up 39%. on. 39%. Um, anyway, so, well, Rory McIlroy, outstanding at Renaissance at the Scottish Open. So I was supposed to be having a chat with him tonight. So that would have been good. Um, but instead, I'm doing something else tonight. So, uh, oh, God, that would have been good. Who are a you chat. talking to tonight? I'm. Well, I'm down to do something. I agreed a long time ago to go and speak at St. George's Hill Golf Club, which is a nice. fine play. I think Cliff Richard lives there. Um St. George's Hill, Waybridge Way, isn't it? Uh Yes. So I'm speaking to, um and not that they're not a fine substitute for Rory McIlroy up at Hoylake, but I'm speaking to Neil Coles and Bernard Gallagher and George O'Grady, all wonderful people. Neil Coles, um again, are you aware of the name Neil Coles, Eddie Pepperell? Yeah. Good, because Neil Coles is a legend in, in, in British golf. He, if you find old videos of Neil Coles' swing. It's just a thing of beauty. Neil Coles actually came close to winning the Open. He was second to Weisskopf in 73. Um, so it went Weisskopf, Neil Coles, Johnny Miller, Jack Nicholas. What a top four that is. Carnoustie mm. um, in 75, he was pretty close. 61, I think he was close as well. When Arnold Palmer um, won. But he didn't play in many majors. Again, there was a part of the fact that you couldn't, um, you didn't get direct entry into US majors quite so easily as you do now for, for British players, but also he had a terrible fear of flying. Mm. So he played in eight Ryder Cups, and the three that he played in the United States, he got the boat. He 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 sailed over to, not on his own, I mean, I think people were sailing the boat for him, but he got the boat and went over and played. Um, beat Doug Sanders, I think it was 67, beat Doug Sanders on his home course twice in the same day in the Ryder Cup just a, a fantastic player won the inaugural senior British Open in 87 so having a chat with him about all sorts of things tonight and Bernard Gallagher who you obviously know him is a, a, a I man. think that'll be a fascinating night
1: that'll it be will great. actually yeah yeah it that'll will, be really
0: will. good it will be good I just searched Neil Coles golf swing on YouTube actually just to see Andrew and there isn't any of him in his prime but there's him one of him from 10 years ago and uh well, he looks comfortably into his mid-70s at this point but um Lovely golf swing, even at that age. You would not want to come up against him in the club seniors championship, I wouldn't say, without golf swing.
2: No, but also Neil Coles um, did look into his 70s when he was in his 30s. He had the sort of wispy Santa Claus here. Mm. Um, Santa Claus here? That doesn't make any sense. Anyway, but I'm looking forward no, to No, but I know what you guys. mean. I know yeah, what you know mean. It. Yeah, uh, I remember following him around in the senior open at Turnberry. Um, it was him and Gary Player playing and it was just... I thought, this guy's great. He's fantastic. So, um, yeah, anyway, I'm looking forward to that. Actually, Eddie, do you remember on a former podcast we used to um, do something like... Actually, um, let's do this again. I'll tell you what, there aren't many golfers called Alan. I just wanted to do that again there. Good old Alan Hanson. I just wanted to do that again there because i i was thinking about neil coles and i couldn't think of any other golfers prominent golfers called neil in no. the current game the history of the game can you think of any
0: no no there was a lad there was a lad called neil raymond who used to play when i was an amateur i think he won the english amateur but he never uh made it really as a professional so i don't know that that counts um there's a ref on the European tour, isn't it?
1: Called
2: Neil. Neil. Well,
0: I should. I should definitely know that. Yeah. But um I think Neil, I know uh... him as something else actually.
2: <laughs> so do Neil, I. Um <laughs> Neil Tappin, the journalist. Does he still Neil T- yeah. monthly? Yes, mm-hmm. he does. Yeah. Yeah. There's a Neil no, Riley. I, I played I, once in the at North Berwick uh, in a schools I, match. I will and... tell you a story
1: about Neil Tappin. I played golf with him at. Um, at Birkdale with Justin Rose just it was one of those where like Justin Rose played three holes with every group and he joined up and you get really nervous don't you when well I know you do Andrew especially when you know someone good kind of comes and plays and I was like fatting it down the fairway or whatever I'm sort of slightly embarrassed and um and then Neil Tappin from Golf Monthly hit this shot and Justin Rose turned to me and went now that is a golf swing, and 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 just in those very few words, he conveyed two things: one, Neil Tappin is an excellent golfer, and two, I'm not. Oh. That was you know, that was
2: brutal for you. There it was that brutal. Was... Well, no,
1: he I, 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 wasn't telling me anything I didn't know.
2: Mm. Um, so anyway, if you out there listening can think of any golfing Neils,
0: then e- email us. more emails? Um, I actually did a golf monthly uh, piece with Neil Just realised that Bearwood Lakes in 2019 It's on YouTube, it's quite a good video In fact, I should probably go back and watch it I might relearn some of what I was doing well at the time But uh, yeah, nice guy Right, excellent. Um, I'm going to look at that now as well as old
2: swings and Neil Coles. Right, uh, Ian, as we ramble on in various directions, uh, we should uh, look ahead properly to the Open Championship. Although, again, we are going to do it on Wednesday in the shorter pod, uh, 36% battery. And the weather forecast for the week is going to be very, very wet tomorrow on Tuesday. We're recording here on the Monday. Um, So 2006 was obviously bone dry, absolutely bone dry and still, and the ball was bouncing for miles. 2014 was... Bone wet, and <laughs> uh, and still, and McElroy was, but it's sort of target golf. So 2023 is going to have a bit of everything: rain, sunshine, wind. Um, I, I mean, again, when I was there yesterday, the contrast between I spent a lot of time there in May and June at Hoylake, and it was absolutely burned. The weather was so dry, and the rough had disappeared. And uh, the contrast now is it's quite a quite a green place so i'm looking forward to seeing how it plays but i do want the wind to blow and the forecast is for it to, to blow and quite consistently i think it's not going to be sort of rising up in the in the afternoon or the evenings that's the sort of fairness you want isn't it when you get a draw eddie at the open and you get late early or early late and you find out you've just been blown off course that's the killer
0: yeah and obviously at the open you can really um get lucky or unlucky with the draw given that you can tee off from any more well, what was it 6 six thirty all the way through to 4 p.m so um Yeah, you can. But looking at the forecast just there, I agree with what you said. It doesn't look like it's going to be overly windy or weak but a constant wind with a bit of rain. So it should be a good test. And um, yeah, exactly what you want. Four days of good testing golf.
1: Yeah, and I I think, as you point out, Andrew, it it is softer than it was in 2006. It's not as soft as it was in 2014. I think the fairways will play reasonably, reasonably wide. So i walked through... A lot of the rough yesterday and it's it's spotty in places but I don't think you're going to get too many really bad lies in the rough I think it'll be a question of controlling the flight out of the rough um and the potential for flyers as much as anything for for shots that go uh, awry I think it's going to be fascinating I think the 17th is going to be a massive talking point through the week um and I think the other Characteristic for this year is the number of top players who've shown really good form, Um, and I I suspect it could be, you know, and I hope it's going to be another sort of big name shootout um, by the time we
2: get to Sunday. Yeah, Yeah, so many spectators there just yesterday. I mean, on the Sunday before the open, that's a lot of spectators. I mean, a lot of them were there to to watch the um, big celebrity showdown in the evening. They weren't really, but um, but they were they they were there for the commentary on it, weren't they? (laughs) I don't know who did the commentary on that. That's, who did the commentary on that, Andrew? I don't know. Some people. Um, there was nothing better to do. There was a point yesterday, actually, when I was... Um, so, obviously, you had McElroy winning the Scottish Open, and then you had Djokovic and Delcarath doing having a, a, a final for the ages at Wimbledon. And there was the point, a match point at Wimbledon, because I was, I was, I confess, commentating on the Open Invitational. Um. With Tony Bellew and Jordan Pickford, and a YouTuber called Blake Gray, or something like that. I mean, various people playing, um, playing the course. They got they, they were allowed to go out at six o'clock, and and um, and yeah, it was it was in it was interesting. And by interesting, where could we, we access this commentary? I don't think you can access it anywhere. It's, it must uh, be somewhere. I've had it. I've got powerful friends who've deleted it from the internet now. I think it was it was live on YouTube. But anyway, so the point is that so like live, it had fewer viewers i'm sure than than Liv, Liv's, uh no I, I it might have been very popular. These people are very, very popular, seventeen million subscribers, a chap called Marquez has for um examining products and reviewing them so and he likes his golf, so he was there anyway i <laughs> at Wimbledon match point. And the celebrations as Carth goes up into the crowd and I was uh, commentating on, on Bradley Walsh playing air guitar um, at Hoylake. And I thought then about the turn my career has taken. <laughs>
0: oh, dear. Yeah, but, but given the popularity of some of those people that you were commentating on, Andrew, you've, you've, you've done the classic, you know, 2023, 20, 2022 20, thing. You've done what's right for your career, but bad for the soul. So we don't feel too bad about it.
2: Uh, it's bad for the soul and good for the bank manager. No, it was, it wasn't. Um, l- listen, there there will, will have been people watching it, and actually they were interacting with the crowd and having some fun. And so the people who were there late in the evening yesterday were enjoying themselves. So I'm hearing that it got seventy thousand views, Andrew. What? It's just seriously seventy thousand Seven views. views. Um, well, well done. I was largely talking nonsense. So that was the Open Invitational and I enjoyed
0: it. uh, I enjoyed it enormously. There we go. Right, what are we talking about next? Oh, before we head on to maybe our Open Predictions, I wanted to just, why don't we talk about Rory hitting the old, um, was it the Simon Head, Wooden Head driver? Uh, I think Johnny Mm. Morgan. In fact, I bumped into Johnny Morgan the week in Denmark. He was driving around on a buggy with uh, Boxy doing their pre-tournament catch-up of the course and they were both eating two pork um, belly uh, baguettes the pair of them... um, keeping on their waists but uh john showed me he actually showed me the driver that rory would have hit that we saw on, on on twitter um beautiful i set it down it felt so nice it had so much whip at the end of the club it was a bit like the orange whippy ball, actually andrew but obviously that, that video that went pretty viral of rory um that was fantastic and two six, uh, so 168 mile an hour ball speed which i noticed was the same as tommy hit on one t-shot in the first round with the modern equipment um and I thought Rory's swing looked even more balanced with that club than it does with the modern one. But And the point is, he says, you know, you can't really
2: smash it. You you can't, you just have to take a, a little bit off because you're trying to find the sweet spot on. I mean, this is something that Ian and I will remember hitting these tiny, tiny, mm. tiny, well, they seem they seem tiny now, didn't at the time, tiny, tiny persimmon-headed drivers. And it was just, but the sound of it was so, um, well, it was nostalgic really. And, um you know, if if Rory, Rory McIlroy would still be, you know, just about the best driver in the game with the old Persimmon. But when you're carrying it to 60, 65, and again, with the, with the proper Persimmon club that he'd been given by a manufacturer of his and with a the ball, then he would probably be carrying it about 270. But that's a very big difference to carrying it 310. And I just think it would bring back elements of the game that we have lost in terms of the different ball flights, having to maybe shape the ball, being able to shape the ball. And more importantly, when you don't catch it off a very, very small sweet spot, you get penalised for that because not enough people are being penalised for off-centre strikes at the moment in the game. 100%. And what was the spin rate? 4,400?
1: Yeah. I mean, that that's ridiculous compared with the modern technology, isn't it, Eddie? I mean... And uh, to me, it 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 was it asked the question of speed and precision, uh, not just speed. And and I just think the game is so much richer, or would be so much richer, if that was what was demanded of a player when they teed the ball up, rather than just you know hitting it as hard as as they can. I know that's oversimplifying it, um, but it, it the just it's just a speed game. It strikes me these days compared with, you know, when when Greg Norman was the best driver
0: in the world and he was doing it with that kind of equipment, that was really, really special. Yeah. And again, it it just rebalances, doesn't it, the equilibrium between speed and precision. And I know we talked about this in episodes, a few episodes ago, where when you when you when you emphasis is on precision, you tend to go slower, and that's exactly the type of thing that we should be heading towards with equipment. And I actually sat down at the Belfry a few weeks ago with a guy called Steve Otto, who works at the RNA, and he's been behind a lot of the big studies that have been done. And uh, it was interesting talking to him, and he was trying to get a lot of players' perspectives on equipment. and And my position is simple: does something need to happen? And and for me, the answer is unequivocally yes, absolutely. You're going to have guys like that kid who, who challenged Rory to a long drive contest last week. He's swinging it at 120 mile an hour. He's going to be the norm. And, uh, you know, we have to, at the end of the day, golf clubs are going to be playing with a driver and six wedges and 14 clubs, which, in my opinion, is an essential part of the game. You need to protect that. And that's the role of the RNA and the governing bodies to do that. And so I think something does need to be done. And I would say something will be done in the coming years.
2: They're never going to roll it back. McElroy was saying, roll it back, roll back the ball, roll back the clubs, roll back. They're never going to go back to Persimmon. Like, um, baseball saying we need to use wood bars. I,
1: that's exactly the point i was going to yeah. make i, I mean how completely. much better no no but how how much better would golf have been if they just said you know in the professional game you've, a wood is a wood and not a, a lump of metal
0: it doesn't need to go back to that point other things can happen i'm sure we can still use more modern technology than what was in place in the past but but regulations restrictions can be put in place to Roll things back to smaller, smaller sweet spots and drivers and three woods and whatnot. Different materials, need be. I do think I will take a bet with you, Andrew. I actually do think something's going to happen in the next five years whereby we will see the ball going a meaningfully less distance.
2: No, I get, I get that on the ball. I wasn't, I wasn't meaning that won't be rolled back. I meant it'll never go back to persimmon woods. Is oh, no. that, that won't happen. And you know that's a shame. But then I'm just a nostalgic chap. Oi, Radio Merseyside. Shish. I can't hear him. Well, let's try and listen in. I can, can you point your microphone in their direction. You know,
0: they're talking about the... It's Tony Bellew saying, God, yesterday, Andrew Car. <laughs> All he kept talking about was how to pronounce Ludwig Aberg. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, no, he was uh, Tony, uh, it's Bellew, actually, Tony Bellew. <laughs> Wait a second. My name is Ludwig Aberg, and uh, you're listening to the Chipping Forecast podcast. We um, so you edited go. that. What I haven't edited you, anything, there's what? skullduggery afoot. Uh, Elba is the way to go, thank you. Ludwig Albert is the way to go. Um, predictions, Ian, your prediction of Aaron
0: Rye for the Scottish Open, mm. uh, so he missed the cut, went to Rye, <laughs> didn't it? Ian, talking of talking of Aaron, you, I did, and I apologize to you on the message this morning <laughs> for my <laughs> shortness. You, you recall you came over yeah. on the range last week when I was talking to Aaron and. Aaron kind of disrupted me because I was I was very uh, into my practice session at that point. So then you turned up, and I just wanted to basically tell everyone just to go away. I'm trying to re-find myself on the driving range in Scotland. Um, so yeah, I don't know really why I did that. But no, no, I, I
1: this I I honestly hate. I, I was, I I felt like I was in a, a court between the devil and deep blue sea because when I go on the range, I always stand way at the back and I never, I never even want to catch the eye of a, of a, of a player because I just think they're in their office. And then when they're finished and I want to chat to them or ask them for an interview, that that's, that's when I will do that. And then like, because obviously we do the pod and I could see you and you I, and I, I could see you were chatting. So I thought, well, you're not in the middle of practicing hard. I didn't realize that Aaron had, had upset you and, and sort of upset the apple cart there. <laughs> yes. But so I, I thought, Oh, I'd look really ignorant if I didn't go over and say hello. And then I went, oh, where's the gizmo? And he went, down on the floor and i was like i right, no, he's busy i'm off and that was that, that honestly no i, I always I, I always think i'm like if a golfer came into where i'm sitting here and i'm working right now i wouldn't want
0: them coming up talking to me while i'm doing this podcast wow unless it's rory and then you'd probably cuddle him yeah or, true true or bradley walsh
2: maybe come in Started playing air guitar. Um, yeah, I remember a, a 2001 USPGA championship at the um, Atlanta Athletic Club. I was sort of billed with going to get interviews. And so I just sat at the back of the range waiting for people to finish their practice session and get them when they come off. And I waited. It was, it was burningly hot. And I was just sitting there cooking. Um, And eventually Thomas Bjorn, I was just getting all the European players, and Thomas Bjorn finished his session and just came and uh, and sat on the cooler and I said, "Thomas, is there any chance of um, any chance of a quick word for BBC Radio?" And he he, he just uh, said, "No." <laughs> and uh, and I said, um, "Fine." I said, "Do you know how to pronounce Ludwig Albert?" That <laughs> he's just a youngster at the moment. You don't know him, but he's going to be a big player. Anyway, so um, we're going to move on with our predictions. End with our predictions here, because as I mentioned, Aaron Rye. Who was obviously trying to get Eddie to put uh, covers on his irons, and that's what upset him. But Aaron Rye missed the cut. Shane Lowry—I can't remember what position he finished in, but it was higher than Aaron Rye. He was—he was in the top ten briefly at one point. Yeah, I think in, he was like twelfth or something like that. Yeah. So, so there we go. Like so I win that one. So Eddie, because you are not playing in the Open, you can give us a prediction for the the Open um, if you want. I haven't actually had to think about this, so I am just gonna—I am just gonna pick a name from the World Golf Ranking.
0: Well, I am a bit torn because. Um, my my pick for the U.S. Open was Cam Smith, and he would be my pick. Um, but I don't know that I can pick the same guy two majors in a row. I just don't think that's the right thing to do. Uh, so I'm not going to pick Cam Smith either. Though I'm very optimistic about his chances. Rory too. I'm not going to pick Rory. So I'm going to go for I'm going to go for Colin Morikawa. Right. Okay.
2: I'm going to go for. I'm just going to. I hope he has a good finish. Uh, I I like the cut of his jib. I'm going to go for Ricky Fowler and his resurgence. I'm, I don't think he's going to win it, but I think he, you know, he might be up there in the top ten. Ian, what are your thoughts? I think Ricky
1: Fowler's a really good shout, and the uh, I, I'm I'm going Cameron Smith. I just think he's trending, and yeah, I, he won he won the latest live event. Um, he's nicely rested, and I think he's got by now. He's had enough sort of genuine major um kind of testing this being the fourth and final major of the men's calendar so uh i'll go i'm going cam smith although you should back they always say you should back the first horse you see when you arrive and when i walked through the gates yesterday afternoon the first person i saw was jordan Speith.
2: Right. so i'm
1: going for cam smith
2: okay Well, I saw Martin slumbers first and he's not playing. No loyalty to Jordan Spieth then. I would, yeah, if I saw Jordan Spieth, I fancy he might be in there. Anyway, we're going to wrap things up. We've been rambling on uh, in various directions and more rambly than, than ever, but we are ready for the Open Championship week. We will be, or Ian and I will be with you on Wednesday for maybe a shorter one just to, Just to bring you any news, the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday uh, stories, Eddie will be giving it large in Ibiza. Are you you in the north of the island or the the rowdy south? Is it the south that's rowdy in Ibiza?
0: It is. And we're in a very central power in a lovely boutique kind of hotel. I'm off for a massage this afternoon. I need three days off. So I basically have been driving myself mad with the game for the last three months. So uh, this has come at the right time. So I'm I'm dressed in an Ibiza shirt, especially for the podcast, which you kind of can't see. But um. And I'm, and I'm naked on the bottom half, which is classic Ibiza.
2: Classic Ibiza. That's the way they roll. Um, is it? I don't know. Right. Okay. We are uh, going to say farewell. Farewell from uh, me. Farewell from Ian. Farewell. Uh, farewell from Eddie. Farewell. And farewell from Ludwig. Uh, Elba is the way to go. Bye-bye. I've
1: got 100% on mine.
2: Twenty four percent battery now.
0: Forty percent of the time, all the time, that's what I've got. And that completes this edition of the chipping forecast. Wishing you a safe and pleasant night.
1: Holding pocket.